Today on Growing Through Grace. Here's Paul who seems to be so flexible, right? He ministers for a year and a half with Gentiles in the roughest town on the map. And now he's going to the religious persecution center of it all. And he's just ready to go. You know, I'll just become a Jew for a while. Listening to Growing Through Grace with Pastor Jack Abelin of Morningstar Christian Chapel in Whittier, California. It's good to be with you again for another installment in our series in the book of Acts. Today, Pastor Jack will take us to chapter 18, verses 18 through 28, and finish off this passage with the account of Paul's return to Antioch and some of the disciples that he met along the way. So let's join our teacher for a quick review that will get us into today's lesson. Here's Pastor Jack. Chapter 18, verse 18. Acts was a written narrative, which means that we learn from the report. There's less doctrinal statements there, although there are some. Most of those are found in the epistles. But yet there is a, there is a report through the pen of Dr. Luke, led by the Spirit, of the first 30 years of the early church's development and growth as Jesus dies and he's, he ascends and the Holy Spirit is sent who empowers the believer and who gives to the believer passion and drive and love for the lost. And we've brought up more than once, the book of Acts is that place where you ask yourself, who would God use? Because you'll find a lot of examples. And what kind of church should we be? What does God value as a church? Uh, There were men from Cyrus, uh, Cyprus, I should say, and Cyrene, who had been chased out of Jerusalem because Stephen had been killed for his faith, and they went 300 miles north in a place called Antioch in Syria, Uh, chapter 11, I think verse 19, it starts there, and they began to share the Lord with not just Jews, but with Hellenists. Now, Hellenists were for the most part Jews that lived in Greek or Roman cultures. They didn't have the the same restrictive kind of behavior. They were a lot more open to, you know, the the Gentiles' way of life, if you will. And again, the, the, the gospel began to save lives. And God began to work. Barnabas, a a disciple early on from Jerusalem, was sent 300 miles north to see what was going on there. And this place, Antioch, became really the missions congregation. And the focus in the last of the book of of Acts, for the most part, switches from Jerusalem to Antioch. And and it is from Antioch that Paul makes with his teams three very long journeys um, to plant churches throughout uh, Europe and and Galatia, through Asia Minor, if you will and to reach souls. And, and those churches became really the basis for which the gospel would, would thrive and eventually go to all of the world. We, we've been trying as we've gone through the narrative to give you uh, times and places and understanding as far as um, how far Paul traveled, how long was he gone. You know, there are months in here where there is no miracles and no salvations. If you read the book quickly enough, you'll think, gosh, every day a hundred people got saved and the, the dead are raised. And th- Why aren't we seeing that today? Well, There's a lot of hours and days in Paul's trips as well. So uh, Paul took three missionary journeys. The first ones were from 46 to 47 uh, AD. He went with Barnabas. He went to Galatia, 
which today um, is Turkey. He planted churches during those two years, traveled about 1,200 miles, and those became the foundation places. In fact, in the second and third trips of Paul, he would always go back to those churches first to try to see if they're doing well and to keep encouraging them. Uh, chapter uh, four, 13, verse 3, 13, verse 4, to chapter 14, verse 28. The, the second trip was much longer, almost six years. Paul was out from 50 to 55 um, A.D. He spent a lot of time in, in places longer than he did the first time out, covered about 2,700 miles or so. It began at the middle of, or towards the end of chapter 15. We're going to end his journey of chapter 2 today and begin his journey to chapter 3 tonight. So we'll flip the map up here in a little bit. But in any way, and, and then there's a third journey. And that third journey was almost right on top of the second one. Paul came back home maybe nine months, maybe six months. He didn't stay long. And he went back out for the next three years, 55, 56, 57 AD, before he would head for Jerusalem and, and eventually to prison. As, and we'll get that towards the end of the, of the book. Needless to say, God used Paul greatly. You know, the, the trips that he went on, the, the way that the Lord led him, his, his willingness to to share the Lord with, with others, the, the preaching of the gospel, the power of God's spirit. It's really a great example to us of what God can do with you and I today. I mean, this city needs Jesus, don't you think? And in fact, for that matter, our country needs the Lord. We, we're living in a circus, and, and we need the gospel. So God use us. You know, we, we saw Paul um, in the second journey going to the same places he had gone the first time, was over several months led to go to Europe, saw three significant salvations there um, that became kind of the, the roots of, in Europe, if you will. He uh, went to Thessalonica from uh, Philippi, maybe 105 miles or something. Only spent, by the way, three weeks in Philippi. Even though we have the book of Philippians, you'd think he'd be there a long time. He wasn't. It's the greatest argument for God doesn't need us to do a work. He'll do them, but, but sometimes you have very little to do with it, but you're there. And that certainly was the case with the Philippian church. Uh, they got chased out of town, or a riot erupted. They, they went down, uh, you know, another 50 miles to Berea, where they found a bunch of intellectual open hearts, really interesting kind of a mixture. They, they were learned, but they were open. They weren't, you know, filled with themselves. They were just wanting to be taught. And uh, Paul had a great fruitfulness there. It went really well there. They gained, I think, a lot of fruit. Eventually, from 50 miles away, the Thessalonica church came and, and caused trouble, and, and there in Thessalonica, um, you know, these people came, and Paul was, was put on a boat to travel 250 miles or so to Athens, leaving Timothy behind, leaving uh, Silas behind, and then being alone. And we talked a lot about Paul's depths of his suffering, because he spent a lot of time on his own in some of the worst places around. Athens was the was certainly a place of, of great idolatry. He, he didn't have much success with the, with the Mars Hills intellectuals and, and philosophers. Bore little fruit. You can see it at the end of chapter 17. He, he, he packed up, still waiting for his guys to come, and went to Corinth instead, where uh, he spent, and where we spent last week with him in the first 18 verses of this chapter. Paul would, would arrive quietly, he wasn't really witnessing much. He was under the radar. He'd been beat up and spit out so often that he kind of had worn himself out, and, and it was a tough place um, to, to survive. I, 
just thinking what I just said to you. I think Philippi was the three weeks, not Philippi. Uh, Philippi, uh, Philippi was the first place they left, but Thessalonica, uh, Thessalonica was the place that Paul spent three weeks. I'll get you confused if I can. Um, finally, in Corinth, T- Silas and Timothy showed up. They brought good news from the Thessalonican church. They actually brought an offering from the Philippian church to help Paul, who had been working and kind of just hanging in there. Um, the Lord began to work. Paul began to preach like the old Paul. There was resistance in the synagogue again. He moved next door to a place that was called in the Bible Justice's House. Eventually, even the ruler of the synagogue got saved, a guy named Crispus. And uh, Paul, fearing that he was going to get beat up again, I think was just at the end of, of, his, of his tolerance for getting beat up one more time. And the Lord, in verse 9 and 10 of the last chapter, or this chapter, comes to visit Paul. And he said some great things to him. You don't have to worry got a lot of souls in this city. They belong to me even though they weren't saved yet. And don't be afraid. No one's going to hurt you. And so Paul took that to heart. And the Lord, wasn't the last time he got a visit from Jesus. But he got a word from the Lord that was strengthening. And so he, he went to work. He stayed there for a year and a half. And, and it, the, we, we ended last week with verses 16 and 17, um, which, which kind of tells us what the Lord's promise was, that he would protect Paul, a new um, governor was moved into Achaia. His name was Galileo. And uh, some of his Jewish enemies, Paul's, came to the new governor figuring, well, he's going to make a good impression, so we'll just bring our complaints about Paul to him. They said he was worshiping a different God. He was enforcing a different law. Paul stood up to, to defend himself, but ultimately Galileo spoke up and he said, look, if it was a matter of, of law, I'll deal with it, but if it's a matter of your conviction of things, then you deal with it. And they left kind of unsatisfied, if you will. In fact, some of those who lived in that city took these Jewish you know, brethren and, and took them to task and, and gave them a beating right in front of the court. And, and Galileo didn't do anything about it. We, we have in our early church writings, not in the book of Acts, that Paul corresponded often with Galileo's brother, a fellow named Seneca, who you might remember if you've had to study ancient history. Seneca would lead his brother, this guy, Galileo, to Christ. And Paul and he would both be beheaded by Nero down the road maybe, oh, I don't know, 10 years or so. So God kept Paul, the promise to Paul, he'd, he'd be safe in this town. It wasn't safe in every town, but he was safe here. So tonight we want to pick up at verse 18. We're going to, Lord be willing, get to the end of the chapter, uh, get Paul on his way to Ephesus, which is where we'd like to leave him tonight, and where he would spend the most time, three years of his life, planting a church. But let's start at verse 18. It says, so all that I've told you, so Paul still remained there in uh, Corinth a good while. And when he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria, Aquila and Priscilla were with him. He had cut his hair off at Centria. He had taken a vow. Now, after a, a year and a half, Paul felt, verse 11 and again verse 18, it was time to move on. He actually crosses over to Centria, which if you look at the map, there were two ports uh, in Corinth there. Uh, It was the one that they sailed out of more often. It was also the side, it seems from the Bible, that the church might have been meeting on. But anyway, it was the eastern port. I think as Romans 16.1 talks about this place as the place that the church met there. But you'll have to look that up to see if I'm right or not. I think I'm right. I tried to put myself in Paul's shoes and I think to myself, after all of the beatings and people chasing you down and all, 
stolings. When you get here and God's protecting you, I don't think I ever want to leave. Right? After a year and a half, the Lord comes and, and obviously says to Paul, it's time to move on. And can you hear Paul's argument internally saying, yeah, maybe that's not the Lord. That's probably the devil. Because how good was it here? How safe had it been here? And yet, I think it's much like Philip, who in the, in the midst of a revival in Samaria, heard the Lord say, go, it's time to leave. And, and he does it as well. And it ministers a lot to me because it goes against the grain. We usually interpret God's voice as whatever is blessing us the most. And if it isn't really working to our favor, then maybe the Lord's not in it. Well, this was a huge move for, from, from Paul's standpoint. Really felt the Lord had spoken to him, and he was going to do it even in the midst of what seemed like the most wonderful, protective kind of shell that he had found himself in, in years. So we read at the end of verse 18 that Paul had taken a vow. The Nazarite vow, Numbers chapter 6, was a practice that, as a Jew, was a matter of personal consideration that you would be provided for under the law for, for a time of devotion to the Lord. It, it involved abstaining from wine, which was certainly an ordinary daily drink. You couldn't defile yourself by touching a dead body. You weren't allowed to cut your hair. It became a part of the sacrifice uh, at when you went back you know, through those commitments, if you will. That you could do uh, a Nazarite vow to thank God for past blessings or or to seek the Lord for the future, or just from a standpoint of devotion. It, it really was a Jewish practice. And it might interest you if you read it to say, well, gosh, here's Paul, a Jew, who's been sent to the Gentiles, who's been persecuted by the Jews a lot, reverting back to doing something that's Jewish. And the answer is, he's been in Corinth forever. That's, that's as Gentile as it gets. But he's headed for Jerusalem, where he's not always been liked very much because he's so liberal in his grace, if you will. So he, he becomes all things to all men. He, in fact, he, he will write that to the Corinthians in the letter that he would write to them in 1 Corinthians, I think, chapter 9. He said, I just want to, whatever I have to be to reach people, I'm going to do that. Well, he's headed for the Jewish capital, if you will. And so Paul makes a, a vow. He, he, he had you know, made a vow there, if you will. He had taken the vow. He had, he had cut his hair off there. He was ready to go forward. He, he was ready to go to this ministry. But, but I love the, the picture of Paul. And I, again, it's a narrative, but, but here's Paul who seems to be so flexible, right? He ministers for a year and a half with Gentiles in the roughest town in, 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 on the map, you know, on the globe. And now he's going to the religious persecution center of it all. And he's just ready to go. You know, I'll just become a Jew for a while. I'll just, you know, I'm, he seems to be able to handle anything. He's not narrow in his practices. He's not so narrow that he, he, he makes himself useless. You know, he doesn't have too many hang-ups. He's not, he's not unable to be flexible with people. Not, not that he necessarily approved all of those things, but he, he wants to meet them halfway. And so Paul, he's, he's geared to go from, from a place of great protection to a place where he knows there's going to be difficulty. And he leaves for Syria with Aquila and Priscilla, verse 2 and 3, in tow. In fact, we, we read that back in verse 2 and 3, that they were with him. I don't doubt that Paul welcomed their company. This couple, and we'll end with them tonight, Aquila and Priscilla, lived in Rome, it seems like. However, if you look at history in 54 AD, the emperor Claudius got angry at the Jews and made every Jew move out of Rome. That was a political stunt. He wanted to flex his muscle. And all the Jews had to leave town in 54 AD. 
So back in 57, or three years later, we will find them moving, according to Romans 16, back to Rome when that curfew or that, that restriction was lifted and the next guy came in. So these guys were really out of their homeland uh, for, for no choice of their own, but they had been forced out through politics. And they find themselves now with Paul in, in the ministry there in Corinth. So they're together. If you look at the map, you see that Paul wanted to leave Centria. They would go over to Ephesus, and then they would take this long 650-mile boat ride, or Paul will, to go back to Caesarea at the coast and then on to Jerusalem before he heads back to Antioch where he had begun. Verse 19 tells us, And he came to Ephesus, where he left Achilla and Priscilla, but he himself entered into the synagogue reasoning with the Jews. And when they had asked him to stay a longer time with them, he did not consent, but he took leave of them. He said, I must by all means make this coming feast in Jerusalem, but I will turn again, will return again to you, God willing. And he sailed away from Ephesus. Ephesus is, is indeed one of the most important cities in Asia Minor, at least from a historical standpoint and a biblical standpoint. Um, we had the chance when we took our group from church here to the through the footsteps of fall yes, last year, to walk through the ruins of Ephesus. They are the largest and most developed ruins you'll ever see anywhere in the world. It's the most amazing place. And even the little stalls where the, 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 the vendors, like Paul with his tents, would have worked. Are, there are many that are still standing there, as well as the, the amphitheater and all. It's an, an amazing place. It'll, just, it'll blow your mind. If we have a chance to take another group uh, in a year or two from now, we will do that if you are interested in going. But the temple of Diana, or, or of Artemis, as she's called in the Greek, um, was, was one of the seven uh, wonders of the ancient world. The chief, the chief market in Ephesus was, was trading in magic and idol worship. and It was an amazing, amazing place. So Paul stops there, notice, as he, he takes his cruise over. And he leaves Achilla and Priscilla there because it does seem like this was a place that they could do some ministry. Paul hadn't been there. Paul reasoned for a little time at the, at the synagogue there, as he had done in Corinth. He is invited to stay, which would tell me he wasn't preaching at the top of his lungs. He was saying to people, hey, maybe, who do you think the Messiah is? And I think he was sneaking up on it because when he got loud, he didn't last long in the synagogues. But, but in any way, they, they said to him, we'd love you to stay some more. You're really challenging us. And, and Paul said, well, I can't. My heart is just constrained to go back to Jerusalem to keep the feast day. We don't know why this feast day weighed so heavily on par, Paul's heart. And as far as I know, there's no place in the Bible you'll get an answer to that. We don't know other than this is what was going on. He didn't want to miss the Passover. Sailing on the Mediterranean was closed in the winter time, And so through the middle of March, and, and, and Passover was in April, so he would have had to hurry to make it work. So they decided to leave this couple in, behind, start to do the follow-up, do the planting of this church. Paul said what, what we read in James, and it's good for you and I to say, I would like to do that, the Lord be willing. And Paul walked away from a, an open door that, you know, he'd walked away from a revival and a protection, and now an open door just to be in Jerusalem, because that's where he believed that God would have him to be. And so he had no assurances of the next day, but Paul was going to trust the Lord. If, if God wants me back, I'll go back. So he leaves Achilla and Priscilla there 
And like I said, he gets on this, bu- uh, this boat and he sails 650 miles across the Mediterranean heading back to Jerusalem. Uh, Caesarea is about 60 miles or so if you have to walk it uh, to Jerusalem from there. And then he would head 320 miles north back to Antioch. Now, Paul was never extremely close to the people in Jerusalem. It is because, uh, well, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, I think that the years of persecution early on, he was a tough guy. Uh, They had a legalistic view of Christianity, which kind of conflicted with Paul's idea of grace. He was a very strong, independent personality, that's for sure. I'm not sure why, but if you notice as we read here, it doesn't seem like they were all that excited to see him this time either. There's nothing written by Dr. Luke about, you know, they rolled out the red carpet, here's the champion of the church for this generation. Uh, The Holy Spirit gives us no details except he made the feast, said hello to the church, and then took off. Right? So we read in verse 22, and when he had landed at Caesarea, he went up to greet the church, and then he went down to Antioch. That's it. That was the whole, I got to get there, and he gets there, hey, how you doing? And then he's got to leave. Really no interaction, no no seeming uh, welcome. Um, But it teaches me a lot, because you know, sometimes you are isolated to just walking with God. You don't have the support you always wish you had. You're, you're, you're having to answer to him. Uh, God used James. James was a, the, the big shot in Jerusalem. You've read his book, haven't you? It beats you to death, doesn't it? The book of James, a lot of you are going through it right now. Tough stuff. Um, James was a legalist in many ways. Now he'd, be, he'd, he'd find the grace of God. Paul would tell you about grace, and James would tell you that faith without works is dead. In between there, there's a healthy tension, a good balance. But they didn't always get along. And you certainly seem to, it, it just seems to me a very, a very dry verse, right? He shows up, imagine being on a boat 650 miles. You, oh, here I'm here, I'm 30 to 65 miles walking, you know, to, and you get there and, hey, yeah, how you doing, Paul? That's it. And he leaves. Nothing to report. Terrible. Verse 23, and we can maybe switch over. Oh, you guys already switched, so you're ahead of me. Verse 23, after he had spent some time there at home in Antioch, he departed and he went back to the region of Galatia and to Phrygia in order, and he went to strengthen the disciples. Paul came home and he always did to give a report to the local church. Um, All of our missionaries give us reports. They are financially accountable to our board of directors. They are are, uh, open to have you come visit if you know of a missionary somewhere where you're going, let us know. We'll get you a place to stay. It's a good place to to join in. But in any event, Paul always went home to give a report. And I think because the the leadership in the Antioch church was so strong, Paul didn't feel like he needed to stay very long. In fact, there are several um, Bible commentaries, and they have pretty good reasoning, that believe that he might not have been home any much longer than three or four months. Literally to repack a bag. It was hard for Paul, apparently, to sit still. He loved the lost. He, he burned in his heart for churches to be planted. You know, some people like downtime. I just want to be down. But Paul was burning to serve. Some people like to be wrapped up in sports. Paul just wanted to run the race. And with that thought, we'll stop there for today and pick up the balance of Acts chapter 18, verses 18 through 28, the next time we're together. 
This has been the first half of a two-part study taught by Pastor Jacob Elin. If you'd like to get the entire message, we do have that available for you. Now, all you need to do to order, simply contact us and ask for study number 3072. When you get a hold of us, be sure to mention the call letters of the radio station that you're listening to. And here in the month of January, we'd like to offer to you Pastor Jack's teachings through the books of 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. The series is titled, Letters to Hungry Hearts. Paul wrote these letters to the young Thessalonian church and really gives us some great examples of how to walk with the Lord, how to share our faith with others, and the great anticipation that we have to Jesus' soon return. This entire series is available in the MP3 format on a single USB flash drive. So if you'd like to order Letters to Hungry Hearts, Pastor Jack's teachings through 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, or if you'd like to get today's study, just dial our toll-free phone number at 866-88-GRACE. That's 866-884-7223. Again, that's 866-884-7223. You can also order by mail. Just address your letter to Growing Through Grace, P.O. Box 1954, Whittier, California, 90609. And for your convenience, you can find this resource and all of our others at our website. Just log in to growingthroughgrace.com. Again, that's growingthroughgrace.com. That will bring things to a close for us today. We do appreciate you tuning in. So until next time, as you daily walk with our Lord Jesus Christ, may you continue to grow in His grace. Growing Through Grace is a listener-supported ministry brought to you by Morningstar Christian Chapel in Whittier, California, a Calvary Chapel outreach.